Brothers and sisters, this is the Book of John, the podcast companion to my writings and musings on Substack. And now, please turn in your books to chapter six. Champion Joe, his own self. By 1989, there were two horror icons I was obsessed with, George A. Romero and Stephen King. So imagine my delight when I was wandering the aisles of B. Dalton's in Metro Center and stumbled upon the most holy of paperback horror anthologies, Book of the Dead, featuring stories written in the world of George Romero's Living Dead movies. For those unfamiliar, those movies would be Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead. Yes, there were others that came later, but they didn't exist at that point. Stephen King's name was right there on the cover for his story Home Delivery about a pregnant woman navigating the zombie apocalypse. I plopped down my sweet allowance cash and ran home to dive into the book. It was in those pages I read my first story by Joe R. Lansdale. Now whether you realize it or not, many of you have seen something based on a Joe Lansdale story. If you watched the Batman or Superman animated series of the 90s, the movie Bubba Hotep, the TV shows Happen Leonard, Masters of Horror, or Love, Death, and Robots, you've seen scripts he's either written himself or based on his stories. The first story I read by him in Book of the Dead was called On the Far Side of the Cadillac Desert with Dead Folks. I remembered being curious about the story from the title, and digging in, it did not disappoint. An apocalyptic western set in the landscape of the living dead, a ruthless bounty hunter goes to retrieve a child killer, and along the way gets kidnapped by a school bus of over-sexualized nuns who use Mickey Mouse ear-wearing zombies as their mindless drones. Believe me, that logline doesn't even capture half of the batshit crazy of that story. It radically departed from Romero's world, but that was okay by me because the story was goddamn hilarious. I'd gotten used to Stephen King's level of profane humor, but Lansdale basically said, hold my lone star and took it 14 levels higher. Lansdale wrote like my friends and I talked. Everything was vulgar, everything was rude, everything was a joke. The bad guys were scumbags and the good guys sometimes weren't that much better. The hero of the story, after capturing his quarry, beats the living shit out of his unconscious body, rips up the dude's car, pisses on his dashboard, and shoots out the sign of the bar he found the guy in. Then, breathing heavily, he wishes he had a dog to kick. I'd read anti-heroes before, but I hadn't quite discovered anti-heroes who were worse than the villains. I vowed I had to find everything else this guy had ever written. Well, that promise took longer than usual for me to fulfill. As in, I still haven't found everything the man has ever written. He is, to put it mildly, fucking absurdly prolific. If there's one working trait he and Stephen King share, it's that they write. Like, all the fucking time. King, with everything he writes being a bestseller, it's pretty easy to track down his stuff. Lansdale is a little tougher. He's had stories all over the map, and when they get collected, it's like Morrissey singles. They collect a few, but not all, and then those collections have new stories in them, so you have to get the collections, and then another collection will have some of the same stories and some different ones, plus a few new ones. It's crazy-making. And he does a lot of stories for small presses, so they'll put out these short story collections, or novellas, or essays, or shopping lists, and they know Lansdale fans will gobble them up, so they make them ridiculously expensive, and if you don't get them right away, they become difficult to find. I know, because I've been tracking them down for years. I have two shelves worth of Lansdale books, and those don't even include most of his Happen Leonard novels. The truth is, after that first short story, I didn't locate most of his books for a good long while. I would look for him in bookstores I would frequent, but never found anything of his on the shelves. Which makes a certain amount of sense, even back then. The bookstore world was mostly chains, and the chains stocked mostly bestsellers and names they could pimp easily, and most horror writers didn't fall into that category. 
What I could get my hands on in those days were his comic books, notably his amazing run on DC Comics' Jonah Hex, the gunslinging bounty hunter with the scarred face and bad attitude. But it was almost 10 years later that I finally stumbled onto a Lansdale book, The Drive-In, a double feature omnibus. This was actually a collection of two novels, The Drive-In and The Drive-In 2, featuring the ongoing story of some friends who go to the drive-in one Friday night. But after a weird meteor passes overhead, they find themselves trapped inside the increasingly weird world of the drive-in. People can only eat candy and popcorn, so nutrition quickly becomes a problem. The same movies keep showing on loop, so people get bored and homicidal. And there's this weirdo called the Popcorn King, who's made up of a couple of reanimated corpses and vomits little living popcorn kernels. I read that entire omnibus in a couple of sittings and had weird dreams for two days. Luckily for me, Lansdale became more of a regular fixture in chain bookstores, and his earlier books became much easier to track down via the internet, allowing me to be flush with more Lansdale books than one can dream. I've also been lucky enough to stumble into Lansdale, the actual human being, on many occasions. The first time I saw him in person was at Comic-Con, I think back in 1998. My wife Allison, who was then my girlfriend, had taken me up on my invitation to go to San Diego and see the con, so she was experiencing that mania for the first time. I was starstruck half the time, seeing comic celebrities like Bernie Wrightson, Jeff Darrow, and Mike Mignola, and movie celebrities like Kevin Smith signing autographs. And this was back in the days when Comic-Con wasn't nearly as crowded as it is today, so you could wander the convention floor without getting elbowed constantly, and you could go to panels without having to wait in line. Okay, I feel the need for one of my famous timeouts here. For those who have not been to Comic-Con or haven't been in the last 20 years, getting into a panel these days without waiting in some kind of a line is fairly rare like dinosaur bone rare. Depending on the panel, some folks camp out overnight to wait in line. So imagine in the days before the internet being ubiquitous, being able to walk into a panel when they're previewing the new X-Men movie or watching an unaired pilot for an upcoming TV show or a celebrity pimping their newest thing, an embarrassment of riches, and you could just walk right in. So imagine my surprise when we were walking the halls after we'd just left a different panel for me to accidentally discover that one of my writing heroes, Joe R. Lansdale, was having a panel of his own right that very moment. I mean, imagine you're just walking around a convention center and one of your favorite writers is not only there, not only going to be at a panel, but it's happening right then and there, and you can just walk on in. So walk in we did, and we were treated to an hour-long panel with champion Joe his own self. I wanted to meet him and have him sign something, but I didn't have anything of his on me to sign. Again, having not even known he'd be there, and I knew that by the time I raced down to the convention floor, found one of his books, bought it and raced back up, he'd be long gone. Which didn't really matter because I chickened out of going up, shaking his hand and saying, hello, you've been a huge influence on me, please love me. But it's probably better I didn't because I was so starstruck at the time, I probably would have said something silly and my mind would have glommed onto it and replayed it on loop at 2 o'clock in the morning for 20 plus years, kind of like it does for most other celebrities I've met, and now I can at least say I didn't do that. That wasn't the last time I accidentally stumbled onto him. There were a few times I deliberately went to one of his signings, so by the time this story happened, I'd actually been able to shake his hand and ask him to love me in person, and weirdly he didn't take me up on it. But this time I'm talking about, this was a little after my daughter was born. It was for a book convention I hadn't even known existed until the weekend it was happening. It was something like a Pulp Fiction book convention, and it was being held in Burbank, a stone's throw from our house. I didn't know anything about it, except there would be all sorts of rare books available for purchase, so I schlepped over to Burbank. A much smaller affair than Comic-Con, it was set up in a large convention hall, and you could see everything that the con had to offer just by turning in a circle. So I wandered the tables for a while, looking for books. I found a couple of Jim Thompson goodies, 
novelizations for TV shows he did in his later days when he needed money, and a signed Harlan Ellison book, which I thought I bought, but haven't been able to locate it in a while, so maybe I didn't. Great story, bro. Anyway, I'm wandering the tables, and who should I see like 20 feet away but Joe R. Lansdale setting up at a table to sign books? Now again, by this time, I'd acquired a number of his signed books, including a few he'd signed in my very presence, so it wasn't like it was a thing I hadn't experienced in life. But you would think that I'd never had the pleasure of the man's signature, the way I raced from table to table trying to find a really good one of his books to sign. I didn't just want like a third printing of his book that came out last year. I wanted one of his old paperbacks, like the kind I discovered all those years ago back in B. Dalton. Lo and behold, I found a first edition paperback copy of the drive-in. Well, this was a sign from the Lord above friends and neighbors. I plonked down 25 bucks folding cash for that book and marched right over to where Mr. Lansdale had set up shop. I small-talked with him a moment while I gently removed the paperback from its protective poly bag and handed it to him to sign. He flipped to the front page, only to discover he had already signed it. Back in 1989. You can see this because he dated it when he signed it. He looked up at me with a grin and I said, oh, well then. He very kindly handed me back my first edition signed copy, shook my hand like a gentleman, and I toddled off on my way. I sometimes wonder if he remembers that. But believe it or not, there's still more. A year or so ago, Lansdale held a contest on his website, the winner to be determined by a random drawing with the prize being one of the characters in his newest book would be named after them. I figured this would just about be the funniest thing in the world, but weirdly, I don't tend to win random contests unless I can somehow scrawl the words I won this across the ticket or entry form. Weird, right? But it somehow works. And yet, as you've probably guessed, when they announced the winner, it was the most fucking common pedestrian white boy name you could ever hope to hear. Mine. I honestly wondered if there was another John Nelson that actually won. But no, friends. It was your friend and humble narrator. So when they wrote to get my approval to use my name, I not only enthusiastically agreed, I asked them to use all three names my parents had gifted me with, my reasoning being... There were far less John Patrick Nelsons in the world, and even if there were, it sounded like someone who would take a sniper rifle up to a water tower, and thus, far funnier. I also allowed that Mr. Lansdale should feel free to dispatch me in his novel in whatever gruesome way he found appropriate, if that be his will. I won't give away what happens, but let's say the 15-year-old version of me that discovered that hilarious, nasty zombie story would be struck silent with joy. So this is me telling you if you can get your hands on a copy of his novel, the Donut Legion, get ready to meet a corrupt sheriff who shares my name. Now, if I can just get Stephen King to kill me off in one of his stories, I can truly say I've achieved immortality. So if you know Stephen King, ask him if he's interested. Also, if he doesn't mind, please love me. Thank you, everybody, for coming around and listening to me once more. You can find me at the Book of John Podcast at gmail.com, or you can go to substack.com at John Patrick Nelson to find me there. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And if whoever stole that hymnal could return it, please, I'd very much appreciate it. See you next time. Mm-hmm.